I took the jump. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life. When you give back and help, you feel amazing. And that is actually the key to happiness. Welcome back, everybody. Richard Baker, founder of Collector Responsibility, here with another episode of the Sustainable Ambassador Podcast. Through this podcast and through this series, I speak with sustainable ambassadors about their work to solve the large environmental, social, and economic challenges that the world is facing. Today, I'm joined by Andrea Ricci, who is the executive director of the Shark Foundation, a Hong Kong-based nonprofit whose mission is raise awareness about the pressure that sharks are facing right now and to end the slaughter of sharks, be it for their meat, for their fins, or for other products, as she'll talk about in a bit. So Andrew, welcome to the show. It's really great to have you here to talk about the work that you're doing and, and your life as an activist. Would you mind sharing a little bit about the work that you're doing and the mission that you're on at the Shark Foundation? I'm Andrea from Hong Kong Shark Foundation. Our mission is five easy words, raise awareness about shark conservation and educate people to say no to shark products. I've lived in Asia for a long time, so I know about the issue of shark finning. I know I've seen the campaigns, but for those that haven't been here or haven't seen the campaigns, maybe can you talk a little about the issue itself, the pressure that sharks face? Um, over 100 million sharks are killed every year just for their fins, for shark fin soup. One third of sharks are now near extinction. So um, we need to think and work harder at a grassroots level what is happening in this space to create awareness that you're seeing right now? And are we seeing a, a real change happening through the work of activists, through the work of these nonprofits to address this issue? We believe really that education is the key. So I like to say to people that I'm a farmer and I am planting those seeds of change in our next generation. I really believe that planting the seeds in the new generation is the way that we're going to find a solution for all, right? And it's a yeah. slow solution. I, I take that on board. You know, it's not as fast, but I think we have to do that at the same time that we're talking to the rest of the generations, right? The older right. people actually have the buying capacity. What, what right. is the work that you're doing to create awareness with students and when you look at the work that you've been doing, um, what is the most effective way to engage them and to, to activate them? For example, we started a shark ambassador education program back in mm -hmm. 2012 and mm -hmm. started with around 2,365 students in 2015-16. And, okay. and last year, we spoke to over 10,000 students. But what are the expectations say for output? Are you hoping that the students then go put pressure on corporates or pressure on governments? Or do you just try and create the awareness and hope that they'll take that on themselves? So there's very much a method to our madness. We're trying to get kids to be more critical thinkers. Okay. Yeah. So what is the problem? Is there a problem? Do we even need sharks? Well, you know, how many sharks are there? And then to think about what are the solutions? So my talks are always about identifying the problem and then identifying what the solutions can be. And people want that. And yeah. so when I go to the kids and I speak to those 10,000 kids last year, I have a very much at the end of my talk, I say, you have homework today at dinner tonight. When you go home, talk about sharks and why sharks are important. And yeah. I bet your parents will be blown away. The timelines are really long, but if we look out the window or you look out your aquarium, it seems like things are not headed in the right direction. Are those little bits is that the seed that also keeps you going 
at the same time. Yes. When mm. I go to teach 150 kids, you know, 500 kids, I can tell you, it's the hope I feel after meeting with them and talking to them. Paving us a little bit to yourself then. I mean, I can tell you're super passionate about this. How did you get involved with this to begin with? And, you know, when did you make the decision to take this on full time? In 2015, I had a personal situation where um, my father passed away. And I started kind of thinking about life and the meaning of life. And from there, what I, um, I decided I was going to do some volunteering and give back. So I started volunteering for three or four different charities. And one of them was Hong Kong Shark Foundation. And I think Dr. Sylvia Earle, who is a well-known marine biologist, she said um, that not everyone can do everything but everyone can do something. I guess, you know, my, my next question kind of relates to that is like, how do you measure success? Because, you know, again, you look out the window, it doesn't seem to be getting any better, mm. but there's things that we're doing that can't be quantified. And there's things that can be quantified to let us know that we're on the right track. So how do you measure success and how do you know that you're on the right track? So for me, how do I measure success? is by the fact that people stop eating it. They say, oh, I haven't eaten that. I quit eating that. And hopefully they say, because I saw you give that talk or because mm. well, your message came through loud and clear. I yeah. think that is for me success, but those are hard to quantify. And right. that is one of the biggest challenges a small NGO like ours has because mm -hmm. Corporates who are potentially donors, they want to see hard numbers and hard numbers right, right. are, that, that's something that we definitely are challenged by and yeah. do our best at, to try to um, create credible impact statements. When you took over the ED role, did you realize like that this is a business and what you're getting yourself into? The short answer is no, I didn't realize that. Every skill that I have earned absolutely mm -hmm. has been so valuable. Mm -hmm. And you would think it's not going to be the skill, but when you're running it, you're the captain of the ship and you yeah. literally have to do everything. Okay. So you came in, you had corporate comms experience, so you knew marketing, you would have known business development, you would have had HR background, you know, you would have interacted with team members and yep. that part. Where were the gaps that you faced when you came in to run this? Was it just fundraising or is that just the one that you remember most vividly? Um, it's fundraising. And when I started back in 2015, I had a lot of connections and I can yeah. tell you for, because I'm older now and I've been out of that connect, that, that Venn diagram type of thing, a lot of mm -hmm. my contacts have moved on, but mm -hmm. a lot of contacts have left Hong Kong. So right. Right. That resource for me is gone. So for us, the resource now is we had to get creative and we've been really successful getting students to take on a cause yeah. and do something like biking 46 kilometers for sharks. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. getting people to sign up and support that. And mm -hmm. that works really well. But, you know, two years ago, I wasn't doing that because why would we need to do that? We'll just have a gala or we'll just have an event with COVID restrictions, especially, you know, for your listeners that are not in Asia or Hong Kong, specifically in China, we're mm -hmm. still under pretty strict 
COVID regulations. We have to adapt. And so Zoom and online fundraising are the only reason why I'm still talking to you today as the executive director of Hong Kong Shark Foundation. You're talking to a mid-career executive. They're looking to make a similar adjustment in life, right? For whatever reason, they've made enough money to feel comfortable to make a shift. What should they know before they make the shift? And then what should they expect as part of that life? Do some volunteering, make make that a regular part of your life. Get involved in some community engagement aspect, um, either through your company or, you know, through your church or through a local NGO. You know, just do an hour or two or, you know, say, look, I want to do a fundraiser in my office for you. Just do something like that. And you can learn many aspects about the cause, but also many aspects about what it entails. If you're that really floats your boat, then start asking an an, or a charity, an NGO, say, hey, I want to work for you specifically. I have these specific set of skills. I want to help you say, um, with your website, you know, or, um, say with your uh, accounting, right. Most, most people are also extremists in the fact that they'll be like, I'm just going to do it. And they'll quit their job and they'll go work for the exact polar opposite. Right. Right. Is that something you would recommend for people? Or is it really just take the slow path, you know, like volunteer and be a board member and then make the shift. So I really do believe that it's a case by case situation. And I think for some people, I mean, basically I took the jump, right? I just, I said to, you know, my partner at the time, um, I'm going to do this full time because I just, it it needs a, I need to throw myself into this 150%. And I did. And I actually worked for three years for free. Yeah. And then I got to that point where, okay, you know, I, I needed to have an income to you yeah. know, support my family type of thing. So yeah. um, it depends on where you are in life. Mm. And I think, you know, I, I'm not going to advocate anybody to quit their job and jump feet feet first into a, an NGO. But yeah. um, I think, you, you know, it depends on you, but it's mm-hmm. the best thing I've ever done in my life. When you give back and when you help somebody, that is less off than you are, that is, that is not as well off as you are. That's, you know, whether it's an animal or whether it's the environment, when you give back and help, you feel amazing. And that is actually the key to happiness. It's not easy, right? And I, I think there's a lot of ways for life to be easier, but it, if you're on this path that you're passionate about, it's not necessarily the outcome the, the money, the boat, the house that's driving a lot of the people in this space. And it's very easy to get caught up in like, I'm not reaching the outcome. But when you're working with these issues and you are giving back, it, it provides a fuel that allows you to keep going. And it's a, it's a cost-benefit analysis on whether or not you make that jump. And I think there's a great presentation I saw where there's another thing of five, like five ways to get paid. And one of them is, yes, you get paid money. The other one is like you get paid and you learn and you value. And the other one is you're, you're having an impact on the world. We, we oscillate those when we have a family, when we're single, when we're starting, when we're, when we're established. Like those things all change. And this is not an easy path, um, but it's one that I think that, you know, over time you just realize like it is the journey and creating value and 
you know, engaging others and, and solving real problems. That, that's the point of all this. We should be grooming mid-tier professionals to take in on those roles for our yeah. successful future. What I've realized is that doing these programs, being chair of the MCHAM committee, rate, you know, building a nonprofit focused on volunteering, like these are all things that need to be done. And I used to say, if I can, I should. If I should, I will. Right. So if I have the potential to solve a problem, then I should use those tools. And if I should use those tools, I will. And so like, I will light a fire so everyone sees the smoke so that I can't back away from it. Right. I'm just trying to be the platform that help others because that's the work that needs to be done. I think yeah. right now, like we need these bridges um, more than Thank ever, you. but you hope that you find some monetization somewhere. You find some value somewhere. You find a payment, be it personal, financial, like whatever later, but the work comes first. And you should be compensated for that, right? And I mean, I, if you're you're working, you know, as a lawyer, no one's going to say you should do this for free. You should be compensated. Comp, you yeah. know, it, what is it? Comparable pay for comparable worth. It's just convincing yeah. people that even though we're not a billable hour, we're still important, right? But that's actually one of those skills that I've learned over time is the most valuable as uh, mm -hmm. as a leader in this space. And that is to value your time and the work that you're doing. I remember being questioned by someone in the accounting field about why I would charge so much money to arrange a corporate volunteering project for their firm. And I just looked at her, I'm like, how much do you make a month? 40,000 renminbi, about $5,000 at the time. How many months would it take you to set up this project that we're talking about right now? Yeah. Six months? nine months full-time, how much money is that? Yeah. So why are you saying that my value at 20% of that cost exactly. is worth less than you and your salary? And yes. I tell you, it's like, it's like I hit her in the head with a sledgehammer. She was like, yes. holy shit, I get it. It's the time that you put into running this, the efficiency. Yeah. Like, but a lot of nonprofit leaders will shy away from that conversation because they're worried yeah. about the negative, the, the potential that that person just blasts them somehow, right, in their community. That is probably the skill that I would say most nonprofitly. When you jump into the space, you don't no. feel it because you feel like you're coming into a space where you're doing good. And by doing good, that means that there's somehow like this negative connotation to yes. it. And, and it's if not you're going to have a long term, yeah, if, you, if you're going to have a long term, you have to unwind that, that, yes. that yeah. negative. Sorry value proposition because that's what it is yeah so that that you hit it really on the nose because that value proposition is really hard for charities to do and yeah. for here it's it's like you should run a charity but not get paid because right. you must be a rich person and you're this right. is some altruistic thing you're well, doing right that's in some ways the problem with philanthropy versus yeah the work that we are doing because Warren Buffett's going to give away 98% of his wealth. Great. I mean, I'm sure that the world would love to have that money redistributed back to great organizations, but does that make up for the, the negative parts of his business running oil companies and running Coca-Cola? Like, does it, does it make up for that? If it doesn't, then that's a very different measurement of success or value than that I have. And I guess I my my feeling is, you know, if young people want to get into it, that's great. And it's it's but a job is 
what you do, a career changes many times in your life, right? Yeah. And yeah. we have to be like bamboo, strong, but flexible, especially during these times. And yeah. so I've always told people that, you know, you may be a this now, like a lawyer, but you may have to reinvent yourself later on. You know, for me right now, this is, you know, great and I love it. And I do have passion and compassion for it. Is it a sustainable, is it sustainable to be a sustainable ambassador? Question mark, right? Um, not sure. Uh, Hong Kong is a huge challenge right now. And um, there's a whole... No. Well, the world is. Yeah. The world I mean, is. And I think it is. I think it's just, it comes down to the person. They have yeah. to continually pack fuel packs into this work. And passion will get you off the launch pad, as I've said for no. years. But no. eventually, it's the work and the trajectory of your own genesis that keeps yeah. you above orbit. In our industry, we have something called compassion fatigue. It's not well discussed. But it's yeah. huge. And yeah. especially if you're in the animal rights or the environmental uh, arena, it's yeah. massive. And you have this burnout. And that's why even volunteers will work for us for only like three, four months and then they burn out, right? So figuring out, figuring the formula for yourself, your staff, your volunteers on how to constantly motivate them is mm -hmm really one of the also besides fundraising and you know th things like that it's it's motivating people to continue yeah. to give back so um again hopefully your 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 platform here will motivate people it is a positive experience it is super important and giving back is so important on so many levels as we've discussed yeah. today and i i thank you for that rich yeah. my pleasure thank you for your time Thank you.